You're listening to The Exchange, and here's your host, Dr. Lorraine. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Exchange with Dr. Lorraine podcast. Today, I have my guest, Dr. David Norris, who is going to be speaking to us about the hope of the resurrection and about some of the end time things. And so I'm so privileged to have my former UGST professor with me. Dr. Norris, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's it's always an honor and always I'm always so happy to see you and Sister Norris. It's uh, my privilege and just an honor to be on with you. Well, I know Sister Norris um, did a podcast interview with you uh, with us earlier this year, and she did an amazing one and talking about special needs and, and some of the things that she kind of has gone through herself and did an amazing thing. So it's great to have you on here talking about a different subject, but it's still so great to hear from another Norris on the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. So I wanted to just go ahead and, I mean, I think that everybody probably knows who Brother David Norris is, but it, just in case you don't know who Dr. David Norris is, Will you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about where you're from, your family and education and all that wonderful stuff? Sure. Thanks so much. Um, I was uh, born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. My grandfather was actually a Bible college uh, teacher and president at uh, Apsock Bible Institute. He started it in 1937. Um, My... uh, Growing up was in the church, and I was a youth pastor, and then I was, uh, we evangelized back in the day. You could evangelize, and that was how you started your ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we started a church in Wisconsin, and it was in Wisconsin that I felt a call to teach. So I was about 30 years old, and since that time, I've been involved in both going to school and teaching school uh for um seems like forever you know the feeling yes (laughs) Uh, so got a couple of bachelor's degrees a master's degree in uh uh, theology and then i went to temple university for my phd in religion Mm -hmm. uh and i've been teaching now close to uh 40 years and well over 40 years i guess it is and uh, the last half of that slice has been in St. Louis. I've been teaching at the graduate school here, mm-hmm. Urshan Graduate School of Theology, and also uh, in the undergrad in the Urshan College. Mm-hmm. And you have written a lot of material, a lot of books, and we'll talk in the end how you can get those books. But you have written how many books now for the Norris? You know, I don't know. I, I'd have to really sit down and figure out. And then what's a book and what's a booklet? And does it count if you did two <laughs> chapters or whatever? So. <laughs> the brother Norris has done a lot of writing. We'll just we'll just put it out there, and they've done a lot of stuff, a lot of really great contributions to our apostolic movement. And you've been on a lot of podcast interviews and explained a lot of things. And and I again was just privileged to have you as my teacher for systematic theology. And so when I was there in St. Louis a couple of years back, so is there anything unique you want to tell us about yourself that you wanted to share with us? Well, um, you know, I love what I do. And uh, they say, if you love what you do, you'll never go to work. And so I I don't know if I'm reading for pleasure or for ministry or for teaching or whatever, kind of all kind of flows together. But I I just would say it's a joy. Hmm. Okay, I I love that. 
I love that you love what you do. And of course, the students and faculty and everybody that knows you knows that you love what you do, all the writing, all the great teaching. Um, so I wanted to just kind of jump into what we were kind of talking about today. And, you know, I really wanted to talk about this subject because we're seeing so many end time things kind of unfold. And with the war right now in Israel, there's a lot of uncertainty. And but I really wanted to focus um, this podcast on what the hope that we have as believers is and what we have to look forward to instead of feeling the fear, just think, you know what, we we have something better to look forward to uh, because our our hope and our desire is to be with Christ. So I wanted to just kind of talk right now and ask you, as you have studied this and have taught this, what will happen when the rapture happens? What will actually take place? Because, you know, there's several scriptures about the twinkling of an eye, but can you just kind of walk us through your understanding of scripture of what that rapture um, will look like or what will happen during the rapture? Yes. Um, and it's not an unimportant subject. Uh, if you look at the epistles, one in 10 verses is about the coming of the Lord. So it's a pretty, pretty big, magnificent thing. You uh, mentioned hope. That's what Titus, uh, the, the Paul writes to Titus, that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, and then in Philippians, it, it tells us the immediate results. There's a corporate result, of course, the church will be taken away. And, but there's an immediate result for individuals. The Bible says in Philippians 321, uh, verse 20 it says, our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for the coming of our lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly bodies that may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue uh, all things to himself first john 3 2 beloved not only the children of god does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when we shall see him we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So physical limitations will be gone. Um, the Bible says we'll know as we are known. Well, how much does God know? He knows an awful lot. And mm -hmm. so the questions that we've had, the, the things that we've been concerned about, in, I, in just a microsecond, it's like, okay, well, I get it now, you know, something like that. So it's going to be a wonderful uh, time. Uh, and it's a time when uh, it's relational. It's not so much streets of gold. It's not so much uh, all those kinds of things, but it's the fact that we're with the Lord uh, forever. Mm -hmm. And so when the rapture takes place, we know, like we mentioned, it will be in a twinkling and I will happen very quickly. Like what will be the first thing that we see when the rapture happens? Will we see Jesus first? Will we see our loved ones? Will we see everything all at once? Yeah, I think, there's some important scriptures here. First um, Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 um, tells us um, that there's going to come a time when our corruptible body will become incorruptible, our mortal body will be immortal. I tell you, mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So it's going to happen. Um, some people will be alive. And so the dead in Christ shall rise first. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 says, um, then we which are alive remain. Uh, in a moment, that's the in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, we shall be changed. We have a hope, um, we're, we're body, soul, and spirit. That is to say, 
we have a body, but then we have an inner person. And, and so when we die, even if we die before the rapture, um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And there is a, a, a body that we can, it's not corporal in the same sense our bodies are, but, but it's a real thing. And we have real existence and we have cognizance and all of that. But when we the rapture takes place, all of that will be reunited and we'll have a, a, a body that will never grow old and it never hurt. The pains will be gone, all of that. Um, now, what we'll see, when we'll see it and all of that, if we know as we had known, we could probably experience a lot of things at one time. Um, and we could probably know a lot of people. I think we'll know um, our loved ones. I think because if we know as we know, we'll know our loved ones. So I think we'll be reunited with people we loved and all that sort of thing. And then, of course, yeah, we will see Jesus. Mm-hmm. In Revelation 21, 4, it says, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Mm-hmm. There should be. And so if if I'm thinking back of a sad thing, maybe I would be sad. And so that that's, that's I think, where people get that idea. But I think uh, just like our testimonies, if somebody has gone through some things and then they're saved, those things that they've gone through just become part of the testimony. And so I, I don't know that we'll lose our memories. I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I somehow God's redemptive grace will uh, will envelop all of our memories so that we'll see things clearly and from the perspective mm-hmm. of, of eternity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about also when heaven takes place, but also there will be at the end of time, there will be that thousand years in the millennium. So in that time, we know that, you know, the devil will be taken captive, will be bound. What will that millennium look like for believers? So um, I've got a book, uh, a little uh, advertisement here. It's called Life, Death, and the End of the World. And Mm -hmm. I cover a lot of this in there. This is actually a book that's used for um, licensure for ordination for ministers uh, and I have some sections on that if people are interested in, in a more in-depth approach. So, okay, so here's the sequence of things. The principle in Isaiah 6, um, 7, is that the kingdom of God will increase. And mm-hmm. so um, everything's going to get better. So New Testament's better than the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And then in the book of Acts, we have an experience that's greater than anything they could receive in the Gospels. They couldn't receive the spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then um, there's going to be a time where the earth will be cleansed, a great tribulation. And then after that, the book of Revelation chapter 20 tells us about this time of peace and uh, a time when uh, God's going to restore things. It's not only there that it's talking about. It talks about throughout the entire Old Testament. In fact, there's an incredible amount of scriptures about this time period. Listen to this promise. Um, uh, from Isaiah 11, I guess I could read the whole chapter because it's about Jesus and he's the righteous branch and all this, but I'm going to skip down to, um, I'm going to skip down just a few verses. Uh, let me look at it here because I wrote this down. This is 11, four, uh, the a wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall Lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear 
shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. So it's prophecy of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, in the United Nations building, they have this prophecy that really is kind of um, uh, a theme of uh, the millennium. It's, it's, it's called a thousand years of peace. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 2, 4 says, they shall beat their swords into plowshares. They'll take the things that they use for killing and they'll um, use it for agricultural production. Their spears and their pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against a nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And that's quite a hope, that the earth will be redeemed, that nature will be redeemed, that uh, the carnivorous beasts will no longer be carnivorous, the poison asps will no longer be poisoned, that um, it'll be endemic, it'll be... uh, it, whatever um, we can picture as God's special paradise. So is that kind of, I'm when I'm hearing that, it sounds like kind of like Eden. It sounds like the Garden of Eden. And so kind of going back to that, and I'm thinking, okay, so there's not going to be any, when, there's not going to be any stake in, in the millennium. Like there, we'll go back to our, our vegetarian state, original well, state in Eden. You know what? I'm 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 not sure I can find a scripture against steak in the millennium. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of partying, and um, when they uh, had fellowship dinners at the um, tabernacle, they always had steak along with that. So I think mm-hmm. I'm not ready to give that up just yet. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of just to switch some gears, and I appreciate you expounding on that. And but I wanted to talk about what it means when the Bible mentions in Ephesians 4 30 about being sealed by the Holy Ghost. And there are other scriptures that kind of mention that as well. But I think there might be some maybe misinterpretation or mis kind of guided thought about what that means of like, does that mean that I can, I'm sealed. And so that means I can do whatever I want. Or what does that scripture kind of in reference to um, the rapture and making it to heaven. Well, let me just kind of do broad brush background here. The spirit of God is really, uh, God is a spirit, John 4, 24. So when you say Holy Spirit, that's saying God. When you say the spirit moved, that's saying God. And we usually use the word spirit with reference to how God does move. Mm -hmm. So the spirit of God moved on the face of the waters as part of the creation. And we see the spirit moving a number of different ways. Um, but it, it was different in the Old Testament than it is in the New Testament. The Bible tells us in Second uh, Peter one twenty one, for prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God um, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Um, so it didn't re- reside in them the same way it would in the New Testament, but they simply were moved upon in a prophetic unction to write or speak or whatever. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Bible says of John the Baptist, he was the greatest of all the prophets, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Of course, um, how do you get in the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not uh, meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So on the birthday of the church, um, they had been waiting and waiting and waiting for this to happen. And finally, 
um, uh, on the day of Pentecost, the spirit was outpoured. And from that time on, um, people could have um, the Holy Spirit uh, on the inside. Um, in um, Luke 7, 28, uh, um, Jesus said, of all the prophets, great, uh, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Well, why was that? Um, John was a great prophet. It's because we have the privilege of having something that they did not have. So when you say sealed with the Holy Spirit, that talks about that residing spirit that lives inside of us. It doesn't mean that we can't do wrong. We always have a free will. We can walk away. It doesn't mean um, that grace has limitlessness, but it does mean something very powerful. I mean, we can rest in our relationship with the Lord, and we can say the name of Jesus and all the power of the universe is there. Um, but the Bible says, to them that look for him, shall he appear without sin um, unto salvation. The Hebrews 7, 28. Um, Paul said in his last epistle to Timothy, he says, waiting for me is a crown of righteousness, not to me only, but to also all those who love his appearing. Mm-hmm. So it's always our posture toward the Lord that's important. Now, I'm not trying to create a fear about the coming of the Lord. In First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, after talking about being caught up, it says, comfort one another with these words. So there should be a comfort. We should rest in the Lord. But we still, um, a relationship is always dependent on those in relationship to maintain the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of interesting that you said that, because I think that sometimes the way that I had kind of interpreted maybe in the past of that scripture or thought about it is that I'm thinking that if I'm sealed by the Holy Ghost, if I'm not every moment of the day, like if one moment I have a bad thought in my head, then that automatically means that, you know, I'm off the, you know, the book of Lamb's book of life, but then the next moment I repent it. And so it's like this constantly going back and forth, like, is my name being put there or is it being erased? And so the thought of you saying resting in our salvation and resting in the Lord, if our thoughts are towards God, if we have a relationship with him, if we're working in our relationship towards him, then we don't have to feel fear. Is that kind of what you're, no, we still have free will if we go against him, but knowing that we have that, that hope. We're not saved by the fact that we're perfect. We're not saved by the fact of our works. We're saved by grace through faith. It's what Jesus did for us, his righteousness, his holiness that's imputed onto us. I know the Bible says, be holy for I'm holy. And that's certainly something that we're doing, but that's not working towards salvation. That's discipleship. Mm-hmm. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And um, that's something we can stand on. And that is really great that you mentioned that because that should also be something that gives us hope and gives us peace. And and knowing that we we stand on that, we stand our relationship with God and we don't have to be going back and forth like, oh my goodness, did I, did I not, you know, what's going on with my salvation every minute, every hour being worried and living yeah. in that kind of fear. And sometimes people live like that, ping pong salvation, save and lost. Mm-hmm. Save. I remember I had an 18 year old student and freshman he was, uh, I was trying to r- tell him to how they rest in the soul. He says, Brother Ross, I don't think you're right. You know, I said, mm-hmm. Oh, he said, No, because he's, uh, he's after a bride that's pure without spot and wrinkle. I said, Okay, well, 
what are you trying to say? Are you saying that we can't have any sin? Right. So you just have to be repenting all the time? Yes. Okay, I said, now tell me, you go down the hall and you see this beautiful girl and you've been doing great, but you have a lustful thought and the rapture sounds. You're not, you're not going? No. Okay, bad attitude? Not, okay. So how many, you know, David said he prayed to the Lord to cleanse him from secret sins because some our attitudes are sometimes we're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. I said to him, now, if that's the case, if we're not, <laughs> if it doesn't, if it, we don't get God's grace to get in, it's going to be a very small group. I know Jesus will be there. And then after that, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the same grace that brings us to the Lord is the same grace that keeps us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is a beautiful thing. And so thankful for that. So thank you for explaining that. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of, again, switch a little bit of gear, gears and talk about in the current war in Israel. And there are many Christians who are concerned about end time events and uncertainty. And I know you teach eschatology and have written the book about it. And as believers, how can we be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ instead of fear and anxiety? And you just mentioned, we just talked about that scripture. Is there any other things that we can do to be reminded of that and not think constantly of what's going to happen tomorrow are we going to be invaded are we going to be this and that i mean because there is some kind of fear about that but what can we do to alleviate our our fears with the word of god paul wrote to timothy in second timothy um chapter one and verse seven for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind and so um, we can rest in God's goodness. I, I would say, don't fill your mind with um, anxious thoughts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, um, before they go to the bed, they watch the news. That's the most terrible thing to do. <laughs> you're filling your mind with things that are, they sell the news and make it um, as, as as vivid and anxious as possible. So they want to keep you coming back. So we need to we need to rest in his word. We need to mm-hmm. invest in our mind and time uh in his word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the council of the ungodly, nor stands in the seat of, uh way of sinners and sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates in it. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in a season, whose leaf also shall not wither, whatever he does shall prosper. Uh, think on these things, Philippians 4, 8 says, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Um, it's not the time to fear when their world events are looking like Jesus is coming. Jesus said, when you see these things, look up, lift up your mm-hmm. heads for your redemption draws near. So I wanted to ask, is there anything that you think that as a believer that we should know that many Christians assume that are not true about the end times? And I know you probably have heard it all. You know, I'm sure you've heard a lot of crazy kind of things that people have said, like, this is going to happen. I know who the Antichrist is and this is. But there's any kind of particular thing that maybe has stuck out to you that is like, yeah, no, that's really, really not right. We have a wonderful hope. Um and we're, we've already been talking about it thematically. But there's a, a word, uh, we use the term tribulation period, a seven-year period of time where the earth will have all these plagues and God will will redeem the earth. He will destroy the wicked from the earth. But there's also half a dozen even more scriptures 
it's, that word uh, thlipsis in the Greek is, is equivalent to another word, orge in the Greek, which is translated wrath, and they're equivalent, equivalent terms. So the Bible teaches us, for God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can rest assured that God has your best in mind, that he loves you, and that he wants to take you to be with him um, and not experience the ravages of, of the uh, terrible Holocaust that the world will ultimately see as described in the book of Revelation. Um, we can rest in him. We can delight in him. You say, well, how, how would that happen? Well, we, we just, first of all, it's pretty simple. We come to the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. That's called repentance. And then we can actually have the covenant name of God called over us and sealing us in covenant. We're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says uh, that when Paul was baptized, Ananias says, arise and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And then, of course, we're sealed, Ephesians, with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so the promise is that he's there, that he's got our backs, that he loves us, that there's nothing. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation is taken, but such is common to man. God is faithful. He'll not allow you to be tested about what you're able to bear. Mm -hmm. So we can rest in God's goodness and his mercy and in his future plan for us. That is a great way to to think about that and to kind of correct that of understanding that God is going to keep us. <laughs> he has no intention. And I heard some preacher say, like, God is not going to beat up the bride before he marries her. So I wanted to ask in some of our closing remarks, is there anything else that you would like to add on this subject that we have talked about? And I really appreciated everything that you've mentioned. And I know that this is going to be such a blessing and so helpful. Was anything off the top of your head that you're just like, yeah, bye. Or anything that you have thought of that might be um, also helpful to our listeners that you want to say? I just want to thank you for having me on the broadcast. And um, I'm going to just give you my... Um, my books are available on norrispublishinghouse.com and also through Pentecostal Publishing House. Uh, and if you are interested in end times, I would really encourage you to get this book. It's called Life, Death, and the End of the World. Yes. Yes. You definitely are going to want that. I have that book as well as a student at UGST. And so, and you, as you mentioned, that is the... Um, is it the ordination? Is it the ordination level of, so if you are getting your ordination minister's license, you'll definitely have to take that class and have to get the book, but you can always get it beforehand on the publishing house and then Pentecost publishing house. And you said, and then your website. Norrispublishinghouse.com. And the only other thing I would want to say is how really, how, how proud I am of you. And so thankful for your ministry and for the good work you're doing. Um, you have listened to the call of God in your life and you have pursued it. And it's so special to me. Oh, well, thank you, Brother Norris. Every time I hear you or see you and you tell me I'm proud of you, that absolutely does something amazing for me. So I appreciate you and Sister Norris and your ministry. And I'm so thankful that you agreed to be and make time for being on my podcast today. So I just want to thank you again. And my regards to Sister Norris. I love Sister Norris. She's amazing. 
Um, always love talking to her. But to all of our listeners on the Exchange with Dr. Lorraine podcast, we are going to sign off now. So to all of you, God bless.